What's happening, guys? It's your host, Jake Burns. This is the OBR Film Breakdown, and we are coming to you for your Tuesday episode. Hopefully, you are doing well. This podcast finds you well. Had a great couple shows, including John Colosimo on Sunday. If you did not listen to that one, go back and check it out. Otherwise, today, I am going to share a broad variety of topics that we discussed on the OBR Twitch tonight, which did not reach a ton of people, so I'm excited to share it because we do discuss... A lot of the main topics through fan questions and OBR insider questions that I think currently matter to the Cleveland Browns and where they're going immediately as some important dates start to hit as we as we peak toward June and obviously the cap-freeing situation that Cleveland has coming in June. So I think this is a great episode. It's hosted by Ian McBride. goes for about 45, 50 minutes. Hopefully you enjoy it. I'll be back tomorrow with Brad Ward for a crossover episode. I think it'll be fun. A lot of great stuff to talk about. So enjoy this one. We'll check back with you tomorrow. Go Browns. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the OBR on Twitch. My name is Ian McBride. I'm going to be your host for today. Hope you guys are doing all right. I will be bringing in... Jake Burns. Jake Burns is going to be joining me today. Jake, how are you doing? What's up, Ian? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on uh, the show with you on Monday. Finally, can make yeah, one. Thanks, uh, thanks for hopping on. Uh, we got some stuff to talk about. A couple of stories over the weekend that are worth going through. We're going to answer a question or two from Ask the Insiders. But if you guys in the chat have any questions, feel free to throw those out there. Uh, we, you know, it is the off season. Uh, you got any questions, you got any things you're worried about, uh, shove them our way and we will, uh, give us our take on them. So let's, uh, let's start with, uh, one of the stories over the weekend, which is, uh, the ongoing saga of Jadavion Clowney. Uh, Jadavion Clowney is, uh, not expected to sign, uh, according to, uh, let me make sure I get this correctly. Sorry. Um, Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports, uh, Jadavion Clowney is not expected to sign before uh, middle of June. He doesn't really want to go to, he doesn't really want to deal with uh, OTAs or mandatory minicamp, which is sort of expected because of how uh, he uh, he didn't really pra- practice too much last year. He's kind of in the veteran J.C. Treader zone of his career mm-hmm. where he mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily need all that work. Um, but he, uh, they, he also called the Browns the leader in the clubhouse for Clowney, but not that... Uh, he has a guarantee to sign how big of a deal. I know it's a question we've talked about before, but how big of a deal is it for the Browns to get to JV on cloudy this year? I mean, I think it's a pretty big deal, man. Like uh, I'm trying to say, I don't think it'll be, I don't think it'll be an absolute disaster per se, but like, I do think they need him to be at their best level. I mean, there's always worlds in which he could, you know, get hurt or something like that. And you don't have him anyway, but to me, I, I think that he is a guy that you are counting on to be a factor at some point, you know, throughout the year, secondary help. We all know how important he was last year to their cause as a strong side defensive end. And our own John Stephenson wrote on that uh, actually for us, the the effect he has, the position he has, what that position looks like in action, all of that. So it's it's not a disaster, I guess, Ian, is the way to put it, if they don't have him for this year, but he really could be the part that takes them to another level. So we, we saw how – I think that the way to frame it is we saw what they were last year with him, and you really don't want them to take a step back. And I think with without him, they take a step back from where they were. So you yeah. don't want to have that uh, situation arrive. Absolutely. Uh, so 
and this is again a question we've talked about before, but because of the story of the weekend, we'll kind of go over it again. What would you do, especially now with Alex right in the mix? What would you do as the Browns say Clowney decides to go elsewhere? Say this waiting pays off, and somebody jumps in and says, "We'll give you two years, forty million, or something mm-hmm. like that," uh, and he ends up going somewhere else. What do the Browns do in free agency? Who would they look for, uh, and how much would they rely on Winovich and Wright? Yeah, I. I think that they would probably end up, you know, relying on Isaiah Thomas, the seventh round pick that a lot of people like. I, I like him. Yeah. Obviously, Alex Wright and the, the guys you mentioned there, uh, Winovich. Those guys would be locks, and then they'd probably be looking at some fifth guy, Weaver, somebody. I don't know who that would be, but I guess they could go on the market to be to be completely transparent. I think there are still some guys like Jerry Hughes out there, and and some others who could potentially answer the call on this stuff like I, I think melvin ingram might still be a free agent don't quote me on that but there are some I believe so yeah yeah there's still some veteran free agents out there i think that they could go get somebody but uh, as far as filling the role of what the browns like out of their you know strong side edge guy that they had with with Clowney, i mean he's a he's a unique force against the run and i don't think they're just going to be able to recreate that they can recreate situational pass rush but getting a guy who can play both phases is a little more challenging here. So yeah. you really want Clowney because he's very talented. He's obviously experienced. He's, he's still very athletic and good enough to do what they need him to do or that position to be able to do in this defense. So that is the, as we know, the best outcome for the whole situation. But if they don't, we're going to have to be like um, recreate Clowney with two or three guys. So you could definitely see them going out and getting a guy to, to be able to rush the passer in certain situations um, you could get see them going out and getting a guy who can be just sort of a run defender, power edge type. So they have options. They drafted accordingly to those options, I think, with two really uh, guys who fit the mold of that strong side defensive end. So uh, I think they're preparing for what a no could eventually look like. But they're the leaders in the clubhouse, like you said, but they understand that, you know, Clowney's always waiting for more money. That that ultimately could mean he ends up in Cleveland again. But we could we could also see something shake out post june 1 when they get their austin hooper relief too so yeah keep your eye out for that uh speaking of austin hooper cleveland rocks 41 47 comes in with the question let's talk tight ends uh carry three on the 53 man roster guess on the third tight end do they get a waiver wire guy so uh, i think one of the questions here is three versus four tight ends considering deshaun watson comes in you expect maybe the offense to change they drafted uh, a wide receiver in the sixth round when they didn't really have a roster spot unless they plan on carry that's carrying that sixth wide receiver um so do you expect fewer tight ends and if so uh, do they maybe just stick with Carlson or are they going to look for uh, somebody else's that third tight end? I think right now you have to think they're going to try to bring back somebody with familiarity and Carlson uh, coming back from the knee injury. He was sort of sits as the leader there, but to, to be honest, this is one I don't know. I think for the first time, I'm not expecting them to carry four tight ends. I think they're going to utilize Stanton the best they can utilize Stanton and allow him to be a fullback for him. But um as we sit here, I think they're having a full-on, full-fledged competition. Like I think what shakes out, to be honest, Ian, what shakes out is you go through these rookie situations. Like you have these rookie mini camps coming up here, and you get a feel for how talented the rookies are. And, and a lot of coaches will tell you, you start to determine your or front office people will tell you, you start to determine your situation with your roster and the bottom of it based on what you see in these upcoming situations like if you go through rookie minicamp you look at 
you know, uh, Woods and you look at Bell and you look at these free agents that they signed and they don't really feel confident that these guys could be a force, what they eventually do is, okay, then we need to go get a veteran receiver. If the same situation, they brought in a lot of young tight ends. They brought in, I think, three uh, UDFA tight ends as far as I know, but I could be off on that. Um, yeah, but they, I think they're, one of they're them had going, never played football before, if yeah, I remember correctly. Correct. So they're trying some people out. I think they're going to be competitors in the idea of Darren Fells has familiarity yeah. with Watson or Kyle Rudolph, who has familiarity with all things Kevin Stefanski. So there are veterans that can be had here too if they want to. So um, I think these this position here, wide receiver, D tackle, or they're very much open to me for some sort of manipulation. So um, I, I definitely think that if I had to put money on it, Ian, I would say the third tight end is not in the organization right now. That's just my hunch. Yeah, that would be my guess as well. Uh, we had a comment here on Stanton being maybe a, a split tight end and fullback. Um, from what yeah. I understand, Stanton's a little bit undersized for that uh, to play tight end, you know, full time. Uh, I think he's listed at 240, but it uh, he definitely, I don't know if he looked at, 240 um when he was playing last year fullbacks uh i think janovich was like 225 so fullbacks don't usually play as high as tight ends do weight wise so i don't i'm not 100 percent on that um but they've definitely tried it uh and that might be something they they push a little bit more this preseason and see if it's possible um let's get another question here uh about defensive tackles so kevo says if we don't get clowny getting a space eating dt needs to be a priority and then e gillen comes back with that's a need irrespective of clowny uh what's your position on this i'm gonna be um sort of on the side of kevo here i i look at this defensive tackle room and i don't see it being significantly different to what the defensive tackle room was at the start of last year um where they just kind of have a bunch of guys that they're and they're hoping somebody comes in and and wins the job uh it worked last year um i'm not sure if it, it's something they want to do again but what what's your take on it well i thought they were pretty terrible at defensive tackle especially by year's end where they got exhausted because they didn't have guys to fill the roles they needed and their defensive tackle performances at the end of the season were pretty putrid so i think they the thing that's amazing to me is that they witnessed it and then they ran it back to an extent we'll see i mean i'm trying to keep the perspective like you are in with your questions here around like they're not done. This is not the roster yeah. they're carrying into week one, but you know, the defensive tackle, I think Mike clay who does projection based stuff for ESPN put out his positional rankings today. And the Browns have the worst defensive tackle group in the entire NFL, which is, yeah, I think that's fair, fair, <laughs> fair to me. Right. So, um, you know, I think I just like, you need one of, Linval Joseph, Akeem Hicks, or Eddie Goldman. I think you just, I just think that that would be a really big priority. I'm not sure how you can feel comfortable going into the year with this group after, again, after what you saw last year. Like, you know what I'm yep. saying? Like, you witnessed that experiment. How can you feel comfortable going back to it? So we'll see. The thing that the thing that I like is Alex Wright is actually really effective when he gets down inside. Like, he yep. had a really nice run of snaps playing inside snaps. So, there could be a big play in here. I don't know. I, I lean toward it's clowny and a defensive tackle. I mean, I, I guess I lean toward that saying, I hope it is, but maybe it's not, maybe it's not. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think they definitely need clowny or somebody to replace clowny or a part of the cog I mentioned earlier of replacing who clowny is collectively. Yeah. So that, that needs to be done, but man, I just, I guess I'll be really surprised if they go into this season as like, eh, this is our D tackle group. And, 
uh, we'll figure it out on the fly and they'll sink or swim, you know, because it's like, yeah. well, we just saw what the, the sink version looks like. And you have a pretty good defensive room here collectively, but you're missing just respectability out of that group. So um, tough. I, I don't I don't know what direction they go here. And I'm trying to be patient like everybody else is. And we all think that the roster has to be determined right now. We feel like we've been talking yeah. about this, Ian, though, forever. I mean, we've been talking yeah. about the need of DT and defensive end for four, three, four months now. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, and it was well, exacerbated by just not yeah. having that first round pick. And you just, you, you, you know, you had to go to free agency to fill some holes. Yeah. And then, but they haven't done any of that, right? Like we think they yep. still could and they could still figure out the clowny thing. Um, but like, we're just sitting here talking about it hypothetically still. And that gets a little old after a while. So what you hope is that they solve some of these things in the next 30 days, at least in my opinion, because you need, I would like to have an idea you know, we haven't even heard one way or the other on Malik McDowell. Not that I expect Malik McDowell to be here, yeah. but like they haven't even referenced it. So there's just a lot of uncertainty along the front of the defense and then a potential third wide or third tight end. So we'll see what happens. I think those are the markets they're still playing around in. Do you think it, some of it could be um, now that, you know, I think most of the big defensive tackles have kind of gone off the board short of Akeem Hicks. Mm-hmm. Um you also, think so, Payton, don't don't forget too. I, I don't know that a reunite situation would happen there, and I don't know what's going on with the Bears. But you know, Larry Ogunjobi failed his physical in Chicago, true. and Very he's true. still out there. So I, I again trying to pay attention to what happens with that. But uh, I heard somebody talk about they had seen him a couple of weeks ago working out with like some Chicago equipment was in the photo. So maybe he they're keeping him, hovering him around until he can pass it, and they've made some sort of like under the table shake hands situation for when he passes yeah. the physical, but that's just like, the, I'm looking for names, man, at this point. Right. Yeah. But do you think because like the defensive tackle position is mostly shaken out already in free agency for other teams, mm-hmm. they could be waiting to see once they get Togi and Elliot uh, and Winfrey in the building to see how far away they are from really being a starting defensive tackle. I think Togi, especially, Maybe someone that uh, could make a big jump because he was incredibly raw last year, uh, improved as the season went on. Um, do you think maybe that's the holdup on defensive tackle? They want to get these guys in the room and, and see if they've improved enough first. Good question. I think so, yes. I also think there's an element here of we can get into to preseason and make a Wyatt Teller deal. Not that you're going to get a player and no. strike gold the way you did with Wyatt Teller, but we could do that. We could figure it out. We could, as well. we could, yeah. We could uh, – pluck somebody's scrap heap for a player that can help us. Uh, that player could be cut, uh, could be cut at the, at the end of training camp or preseason, whatever, or it could be, you know, we go out and flip a seventh for him or something like that. But um, just because they don't sign a big name here in the coming months, doesn't mean they can't still make additions to that position. I mean, it's been, there have been several straight years here of like uh, situations where they have, uh, I think added either a DT or an edge after, after cuts, like they just continue to churn that over. But yeah, I think for all of us who want the roster to feel good, when we go into the season, you're like, eh, would really prefer that they go make a deal and get clowny figured out or get one of these names. But it's um, sometimes not as because these guys like veterans, like Goldman and, and Akeem Hicks and some of these guys, they have a price. Like they'll say, we'll just hold out much like the Browns are saying, we're not going to let, you know, we're not going to let time persuade us on Baker Mayfield. You know, we're going to we're going to be patient with him. I think you could say the same thing for a lot of these free agents, guys like Eddie, guys like Akeem, who have been through a decade worth or close to a decade worth of camps like Clowney. 
You say, hey, yeah. man, I'm cool with just chilling here until August and then I'll sign. And then I don't yeah, have to go I mean, through all this can't really BS, right? You know, yeah. so that's something to pay attention to as well. Yeah, it is. It is a good point about like maybe impatience from the fan base that when you go back to it last year, uh, you go to week one and the fourth defensive tackle and the fourth defensive man weren't on the roster in week one. Yep. Sheldon Day was on the practice squad. He ended up coming back. And then uh, Odenabo ended up coming over from Minnesota. So, I mean, we want all the problems to be solved now, but especially when it comes to depth, uh, they're not always going to be. Uh, so thanks everybody for the questions. I really appreciate all the questions today. Great to see uh, all of you around. Uh, we had a subscription. Let me make sure I shout out crash override three thirty eight months in a row. Thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate that. Anybody who has Twitch Prime or anybody who has Amazon Prime, you get a free sub every month with Twitch Prime. It just goes away if you don't use it. So if you, uh, as uh, Stephen would say, take want to take a few bucks out of Jeff Bezos's pocket uh, and send it our way uh, or to any stream you enjoy, any uh, any Browns-related streams you might enjoy, uh, just remember you have that sub if you have Amazon Prime and no point in not using it. Uh, we're going to move over to this question, which I very much like. This is something that uh, I think we talked about a lot, a lot last year with how they used their safeties. Uh, most of our safeties seem to be better in the box. Ronnie Harrison specifically, and then John Johnson was that in uh, Los Angeles and didn't really get used that way initially uh, for the Browns. Um, they'll pick and play deep, but are we on the lookout for a deep safety? This is something I've been curious about because I don't think Ronnie Harrison is really a part of their plan. He was kind of just brought back because he knows the system and he wasn't expensive. Do you think they're still going to look for that deep safety? Well, I don't think they're going to add anybody and not this year, at least. I think they're going to give it a whirl with what they have. They're going to give Grant chances now two years removed from that serious injury. They're going to, you know, I, I, I was one to bag on, um, uh, you know, John Johnson a little bit and talk about the out of position stuff, but he, got better as the year wore on. He had a really nice last two thirds of the year. So I think they're comfortable with the three of those guys uh, playing more of Ronnie Harrison in the dimebacker role. And then I, the guy I was surprised they let go of, and maybe this is an indication of like, we think Richard LeCount might actually be a player for us. We think there's a role for him is, is, you know, MJ Stewart. And I yeah, think that, that LeCount has a lot of experience as a single high center field safety. So there could be, some sort of plan to to have him pick up a bigger role this year. There has to be, in my opinion, especially having let go of Troy Hill the way they did. So I do think that uh, we're talking about movement in the secondary. There's going to st- or sorry up front. I still think there could be some movement. A guy, uh, a guy at w- one of those positions, and it could be the Sean Jolly they like a lot out of App State. They they might might be uh, trying to peg some sort of role for him. You know, it's not totally uncommon to see a nickel corner think Brian body Calhoun a nickel corner come out of your UDFA signing. So there's uh there's still some of that. So they got guys they like, I, I trust that they would not have traded Troy Hill without some sort of vision of where they were going with this. They bring back the same three safeties in the same system. They think there's growth there. So we'll see what it shakes out as I think there's enough talent that you shouldn't be worried about it, but I am with you. I would like a little bit more center fieldery type of guy on the roster, but maybe that's again where Richard uh, LeCount comes in and can do a little bit uh, more of that this year. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, Kaywan Williams, another one with the Browns, who's an undrafted guy into the uh, mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. that nickel corner. Uh, did pretty well. I think he did a little bit better when he left the Browns, which is unfortunate. But uh, it's like it's a Jordan Poyer type, right? Jordan Poyer yeah. still playing really well in Buffalo. Yeah, so. I didn't see that coming. You know, I I liked him. He was certainly fine here, but becoming you know one of the best safeties in the league did not did not see that one coming. Uh, let's talk about a question from uh, ATI that I thought was interesting. Uh, it's Watson versus Mayfield, and this is going to be purely on the field. We're not going to talk about off the field for either of them right now, but. Uh, in terms of the stuff that maybe isn't purely numbers, uh, so this is from Ramlov. He asked, uh, quicker release, quicker setup, who is better at reading defenses, who is better with accuracy on long throws? Would you say that that's a clean, clean sweep for Deshaun Watson, or is that something that, or is there something that Baker does better out of those four? Read those four again. Quicker release, uh, quicker setup, better reading defenses, and better accuracy on long throws. So, hmm. Trying to think of better setup. Uh, I don't know what he means by better setup. Like a uh, quicker set. I think. Just, I think. I think he maybe just combined release into two questions. I think. I think. May. I think Mayfield has a really a, a really quick release. Like he he's he's able to get rid of the football. Squash the bug is the theory with your front foot and get rid of it. The thing with Mayfield though is he has to really get his entire body into it. So like if he doesn't get every fiber of his body into it, he can't generate the power necessary. So what that means is that he can't make those off platform, those uh, changing arm angle throws. He's just unable to make them consistently. So um, that's where he struggled. And we've talked about this. So I give him three of four to Watson. I think Watson's significantly better at reading defenses. I think he's, he's got a better, uh, natural quarterback motion and he can do some of the funky things with arm angles that, you know, I'm a big believer that you need these days. And then uh, what was the last category again? Uh, Accuracy on deep throws. Yeah. That goes to Deshaun. I mean, the data spells it out. So um, yeah, I think that that's pretty much it. It's just, just better quarterback, man. He's more consistent. You know, he's, he's, he takes, it takes less for him to generate more. And I think that that's important. And he, and he plays with more twitch in his game he's quicker to adjust he's quicker to see things and can make extended plays happen and create plays out of uh you know i talk about this all the time as mayfield is a is a is a recreator by nature he can recreate the scheme he can 
he can do what's asked in terms of what it's supposed to look but but when defenses take away your answers right they they take away oh we're going to run this backside post and it should be open against this quarter's look defenses take away what you're doing do you have a guy who can then re you know be a creator can he make something happen when nothing is there right and i think that that's where watson's element and i mean watson's a better in structure quarterback and a better out of structure quarterback it's not like it's not like going from i don't know deshaun kaiser to to watson i mean mayfield's not terrible he's an average quarterback he could do some average things which is fine that can be okay but Watson's just better at a lot of those elements. And I think it'll be pretty easy for, for the uh, common fan to see that. Yeah. I think that the combination of how he sort of needed to put his, it was very violent throwing motion uh, that Baker has. And it, it, I think the combination of that plus the injury really just, it, it's tough to recreate that because when, when one part of that isn't working, just trying to do the same sort of violent throwing motion, it, it didn't really work. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully he gets healthy at his next stop and he's able to, you know, do well. We wish all the best for Baker Mayfield, but definitely some some worries there. Uh, Another question from ATI. This one got answered, but we're going to ask it again. Uh, One of our favorites, E. Gillen, uh, talks about uh, the OL and the DL. We've talked a lot about the defensive line. So let's let's move over to the OL. Uh, where we have, you know, Wills, we're hoping for him to jump back. Conklin and Hubbard are both coming back from uh, pretty serious injuries. Is there some worry about the offensive line, maybe some of the depth there? I don't think so. I think the depth has got a bunch of guys who've gotten a lot of really good opportunities. A a lot of guys who have played now a lot of snaps. I think you're worried about, like, the front-line performances now, right? Like, I'm worried about can these guys consistently – get it done can jed wills become a consistent football player at left tackle i've seen flashes i know he has the athletic ability to do it i know he is uh, he has snaps on tape of him dominating people but he's inconsistent sometimes lazy can he find out how to be a great tackle okay the guards i don't have any concern with you know me i'm a high projection on nick harris i saw yesterday's building the browns it just made me even more of a believer with how he's trying to change his body add more muscle mass. He's added up to like 20 pounds of muscle mass to go along with a really good athletic frame. And I think he's going to be a pretty dang good center for them. We'll see if it comes to fruition. They're also clearly getting some contingencies in place with Pochich and then um, the kid from Texas Tech they took, Dawson uh, Dean there that they took. So they have some plans in place, but I think he's going to be a nice center. And then it just comes down to like, is Jack Conklin going to be ready? If you get Jack Conklin healthy, he's good. He's extremely good. he's, He's a fine football player, but he's pretty nicked up, you know, in three years, he's, this is, will be his third year in two years. He's had one healthy season and one really unhealthy season. And we know the serious nature of a patella tendon tear and what that means. And hopefully he comes back healthy. So I think they're going to have a nice basement of a line play because they've gotten a lot of guys experiment experience. The quarterback play will be able now to actually help them instead of hinder them um, as far as their performances up front. So that helps in my opinion. Um, but, you know, overall, it's uh, it's just to me how good can they be? I think they'll be good. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind, really, that they'll be good. It's just how good can they be is the question. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't have a concern about depth this is what I guess my long answer is. I'm concerned about can they get the really, really good performances we think they have in them? That's what I need to see. Yeah, it'll be. I mean, it's a, it's sort of the same question as last year, which is the fourth offensive tackle who mm-hmm. is a question mark. But it's you're not. It's going to be a question mark on every team. 
It, it's yeah. just how it is. Well, actually, and I actually think they're really good there. I mean, Hudson and Hubbard, they're fine. Yeah. Uh, they got, it's just how, you know, even Blake Hans, Ian has a, a bevy of experience at tackle. Now yeah. they need him to, he can play guard. They got Michael Dunn. They got Pochich. Who's got a lot of snaps as a center in Seattle. They drafted a guy at center. It, they got still Drew Forbes is still floating around. Like they, their depth yeah, is Forbes one of the better depth situations in the entire league, in my opinion. But how good will the first five be? That's the question. Yeah. They'll be good. How good is the question? So, you know, is it 15th best or is it first? Because there's the range there to me. It's 15th to first. So, we'll yeah, see. It, it, I mean, with Wills, especially, it's just it's difficult to figure out exactly where he's going to be uh, going to be at. Uh, and he yep. had the injury to start last year. And we all know the potential is there. Uh, and just got to get it done. Uh, Michael Dunn, especially, I think the coaching, uh, if we remember back to last year, the coaching staff in, uh, in, in training camp and everything leading up to the season, absolutely loved Michael Dunn. So, uh, yeah. and they, the they ended up, injury. yeah. And then they, once, once he was back, they ended up moving Betonio over just to get him in the lineup. Uh, it, basically as, as a guard, they moved Betonio. That was part of the reason they were comfortable. I think moving Betonio to left tackle is they, they knew yeah. they had done as the third guard. Mm-hmm. So, Interesting there, uh, offensive line. Maybe something to watch. Um, I'm excited to see if maybe somebody jumps out, like Dawson Deaton, just getting somebody with like a 9.6 relative athletic score and saying, "Hey, Bill Callahan, here's this." Like that's that's something that's kind of exciting to me. Our seventh round picks this year were uh, what are some of the most exciting seventh round picks I can I can ever remember with him and uh, Isaiah Thomas. So uh, I think that's a fair statement. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be fun to see. Um, so we we managed to get a half hour into the show without talking about this. It's I hate I hate talking about this because it's we go over it every time. But we did have another story coming from Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, saying Browns should just cut Baker Mayfield and be done with it. And uh, there is also a question uh, from Jay Lacroix on uh, ATI who is asking why people are saying that because that's really dumb is very correct. Uh, <laughs> so it's nice to see that our, our forum users are, are uh, a little bit ahead of Mike Florio. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll uh, make that up, but just to, just to kind of spell it out for everybody again, cause this keeps coming up. The Browns aren't going to cut Baker Mayfield, right? No, no, there's no reason to. Okay, let me let me say this. There's not no reason to. The the only reason you could see, and this is purely human emotional take uh, that that would that this would be, is that they just said we're tired of it. We have yeah. explored this trade market. We know there's nothing out there of relevance. No one's making a serious offer, and we're just tired of having this guy on our team. We don't want to deal with the distraction. That would be the only reason you would cut him, like flat out. Period. Yeah. The, the, the thing people need to understand, he's not due a single penny until the season gets here. There are no bonuses. This is a guaranteed season's worth of salary. So they are open to make a decision all of May, all of June, all of July, and part of August before they have to really put the pedal to the floor in terms of figuring out what you want to do with this guy. So I think you need to buckle in. And again, I'm guilty of this. I talked about him uh, last week on Twitter, and I've, I've talked about him on a couple of my own shows here about like this guy. I mean, we just we just have to buckle in. It's not going to end anytime soon because I think these guys are really, really patient, and they're going to try to get something out of him or some team to eat all of that salary, and they're going to try to do their best to do it. And what that sits at right now is just playing the waiting game and hoping that somebody eventually says – Oh, hell, we're not comfortable at quarterback. We should go do this and we'll make it happen. So 
just the Browns are not being held hostage by the league. There's no one who's denying the doing them a favor or some goofiness like that just because of the Watson trade and contract. That little goofy narrative has been out there, and that's not true. It's teams just don't want to take on Mayfield's money. They don't believe in him to be that level of player. Not that there's not interest in him to still be able to play quarterback and play in the league, but they don't want to pay the price it takes to pay to get him in a trade. So they're just trying to play the patient game. And, uh, you know, they're trying to wait for a cut. Cleveland's trying to wait for a deal. And they're just banking on over the next three months, whether in camp or whether some other situation arrives, that some team will call and try to get him. And if not, they'll make a tough choice in the middle of camp or right before camp. So, you know, like they say, this is a marathon situation. This is not a sprint because there is no, like, hey, he's due this bonus money yeah. on this date. And if we don't get the deal done by this day, it was like the Amari Cooper situation, Ian. Yeah. Cooper was due a portion of his salary, a guaranteed portion of his salary at a certain date. That's why Dallas and Cleveland struck a deal pretty quickly. There is no situation with that for Mayfield. So teams teams know he's not up, the, like the Browns aren't up against the wall from that regard. And, and, and it's like, okay, then we can't just pull this quick deal on him real fast. So it's just it's just going to take a while. And yeah. Uh, we'll we'll see if the only but again the only reason they would just cut him is because they're tired of dealing with it and right now he's out of sight out of mind they, he's not around the organization or anything so until Mayfield puts pressure on like that there's nothing to even discuss as far as a cut yeah. goes it's not even real yeah and uh, Jack Duffin answered this uh, in ATI uh, he said less than one percent Baker gets cut and his point is it, if it comes to it what they'll do instead of cutting him is they will eat the entirety of his salary, but they'll trade him for, you know, like with a seventh swap or trade him for somebody who's just eventually going to get cut or something, trade him, trade him for the absolute minimum just to make sure that he's not going to a team that they don't want him to go to. You know, they would, they would say, okay, we're going to eat the entirety of the deal. Carolina, here you go. Uh, Have fun in the NFC. Uh, That's uh, the, uh, Cutting Baker Mayfield only helps Baker Mayfield. It doesn't help the Browns in any way. Uh, yeah, so. I think that if they do attach that to the email around the league of like, hey, we'll eat the entirety of his salary, he'll be gone that next day. I just, yeah, it, to me, it's a huge money play where teams don't want to pay the price they think of the level of player he is. But if he comes with no salary tag or, hey, we'll cover 80% of the salary tag, like I think some teams will try to make that move and, when that happens, if it happens, then he'll be gone pretty quickly. And we'll, the, yeah. the, the trade happens, it gets announced whenever it does. You know, Don't overreact. It's about seeing the what are the details of this trade before you determine how hungry a team was to go get him, right? So, yeah, um, yeah I think that point by Jack is pretty fair, and they have not done that yet. You, you know, draft weekend, we heard the talk. The talk was all about, um, you know, they, they were having discussions, and the sticking point from Carolina was how much they were covering of that salary. So, the Browns didn't bend on it. They're they're not bending yeah. there yet. Yeah, and I think um, I think it's it, Super Surge has uh, I think the, correct here, uh, where he's the Barry's probably got a number that he's comfortable with eating, and if teams don't agree, hold. That seemed to be what happened with Carolina, where he's just not going to make a move to make a move. One thing that I do find find actually kind of interesting about all of this is. Uh, that I think three of the teams that are probably at the top of the Baker Mayfield sweepstakes, 
are on the Browns' schedule, uh, which is the Panthers, the Saints, and I think Tampa Bay has expressed interest. Uh, if, if Baker's going to go as backup anywhere, I think Tom Brady might be the only person he'd accept being a backup for. Um, but, yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting uh, to see if that ends up happening or they, they want to get a guy to the NFC, but it happens to be on the schedule this year where they're maybe making the Saints or the Panthers a little bit better uh, in a year that they're hoping to contend for a Super Bowl. So uh, let's let's move on from Baker Mayfield talk. Uh, I believe I had. Uh, if you guys have any other questions, feel free to uh, throw them in the chat. Thank you very much for everybody hanging out. Uh, this not this is a question, <laughs> but I'll I'll I'll, sw- I'll swerve it into a different question. Have you seen Nick Chubb squat six hundred and seventy five pounds? Yeah, ridiculous. That's going around right now. Nick Chubb is uh, a, a ridiculous human being. Uh, I'll, I'll we'll swap that into a question about the run game, and I'll give you two separate questions here. Uh, do you think the fact that Deshaun Watson is a mobile quarterback is going to significantly help Nick Chubb? And do you think the Browns may be running a little bit more out of the shotgun now that they have Deshaun Watson, and how does that affect Nick Chubb, who has kind of lined up more traditionally throughout his career? Yeah, I would say – it Nick is so good. It doesn't matter. Uh, I, I will say he can run from the gun. He ran a lot from the gun in 2019 with Freddie kitchens. When he had his best season in the NFL, he can handle it. He can handle outside zone or inside zone. Um, yeah. I, I have no concern about it. he's too, he's too good. He's just good enough yeah. to do everything from that position. And the running portion of Deshaun helps like they could run some read option from the gun that holds down a defender. Anytime you can defend eliminate a defender from, uh, from run fits like man that's what you love you know like backside defensive ends when they go uh, wide zone boot stuff are really going to have to play Deshaun and open up a nice cutback lane so yeah this is why teams are so hungry for um these mobile dual threat quarterbacks you know guys like Deshaun who are throwers but can also really run when you need them to is they do so much for you to unlock every portion of the field an offense can get an advantage in so it does nothing but help it does nothing but help so you know maybe it doesn't uh, is not a driving factor in like every part of Nick's statistical performance this season but it just it helps it helps in every single situation in terms of production for the young man and uh, included in that is passing game where he had several opportunities to get checkdowns and concepts that he just never got the ball so that will ultimately be an uptick a little bit for him there uh, as well in my opinion so uh, I don't think that Watson does anything to the run game, but help it. So that's just my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, just imagining uh, a Nick Ch- out of the shotgun, Nick Chubb, uh, Deshaun Watson play action as a linebacker. That's just a nightmare. There's so many yeah. different things that could happen. Uh, Those RPO conflicts will be hell. I mean, from the yeah. gun, that RPO stuff, if they implement it, which I play, I think they will like there's evidence of this stuff with Matt LaFleur and green Bay with, with, with Aaron Rodgers, And they started to really incorporate, even though he's a, quarterback collective wide zone teacher like McVay and Shanahan. And that's what he ran uh, throughout his time in, in obviously San Francisco and his time in uh, when he got an offensive coordinator role with the Titans for that year before he went to green Bay. It's it's, we think this guy can do more than just this system. So we're going to add to it. The Browns will look, their offense will look different. You will see parts of this offense. You did not see last year. And, and, and if there's not, I would be very disappointed in Kevin, but I can just tell the way he's already talking that this offense will look different than last year. And it will incorporate the things that Deshaun does really, really well. And and in that, just like green Bay with LaFleur, they implemented a lot more RPOs because you have a twitchy quarterback who can decipher things and get the football where it needs to go. So I think that will be an element. And again, RPO stuff, 
only helps your running backs by eliminating run fit defenders. If a guy's outside chasing bubble or he's chasing a, uh, a slant from number two, goodness, man, that opens up such a nice little lane to run in. So that's what makes stuff. That's why the RPO stuff so popular in modern NFL, because yeah. it's really tough to defend. And if you give guys like Nick and Kareem just a little bit of wiggle room, you know, that's that's the difference. And that's why the run boxes will be lighter, too. I mean, they just will. They even I think this is an indicator that the Browns offseason is an indicator of an uptick in 11 personnel. They'll still be among the highest 12 and 13 personnel usages usage teams in the league. But I expect 11 and 12 because I view David as a hybrid third receiver. Like, I yeah. just think those will be their most popular personnel sets this year. Well, I mean, I think they'll they'll still be near the top or at the top, but they were so far ahead of the pack in terms mm-hmm. of three tight end sets that it was, I think it was something like three or four times the nearest team. I don't think we're going to see that as much uh, this season, but yeah, no, I no. mean, when you're, when you're messing with the linebackers, messing with the safeties, with that play action, with those RPOs, David Njoku, uh, a super surge MC is, is somebody who can really benefit from all that. Uh, we're going to go for at least another uh, five, 10 minutes. If you guys got more questions, we'll go as long as you guys got questions. Uh, and we had one a little bit before. Let me grab that about Anthony Schwartz. Uh, this is uh, something that I think maybe a lot of people are are kind of split on, whereas current receiver room versus bringing somebody in. He says, am I alone in my belief Anthony Schwartz takes a major step this year? Can he be our own version of young Will Fuller, hopefully without the injuries? The thing about Will Fuller is uh, he, he was just such a gifted deep ball tracker, and that's it's such an underrated and under-discussed element of running. Now, it's not just being able to run fast, man. It's can you pace the football and the defender? Can you time up that last second little bit of room creation on a fade? Can you can you dial up the tempo at the right time to make a double move that is impactful? So I'm I think that I actually think Anthony Schwartz has a better chance to be a shallow and intermediate receiver of of, of importance than he does a true like Will Fuller. Not that not that he won't be able to get down the field, but like a true Will Fuller type of, of vertical threat. So I think they're going to try to unlock him in different ways than what they've been unlocking, trying to unlock a player like him. I actually think he made some nice strides toward the end of the year. I have some hope he's a 500 yard receiver this year. Like I really think if the offense is moving the chains, like we think they're going to be, there are ways to incorporate what he does pretty well. So I actually think that he will be uh, a nice little piece of things, but not in the way I think everyone's expecting it to be, which is, Hey man, go long. We'll find you. Like, I just don't think that is a huge element of who, he is yet as a receiver that could come, but I don't think he's going to create this downfield separation. A lot of people think so. Uh, I, I just think though, still there is an opportunity for him to get some slot snaps and some snaps at Z when they want to move around Cooper and do some different things. So I have some hope that there's like a 35 catch 500 yard, like three touchdown player in there who is very impactful as a guy who can get down the field and do different things for your offense as far as a decoy goes, but give you some production in the shallow intermediate portions of the field where he is able to create some serious yards after the catch. Yeah. Do you, and we'll sort of extend this question from Kevin, which I won't pop because he did have a, have a typo in it, but uh, he says, I think bell was pretty undervalued in the draft. As we talk about that third receiver spot, do you think it's just going to end up being this, this combination of Schwartz bell and you throw in Njoku there as a third receiver as well. Or, or do you think they're still going to go out and grab somebody? I lean toward they're just going to they're just going to use what's in house. I really don't think there's a giant pass to needing another guy. I think David Bell is going to be a guy who's got a nice amount of talent. I think they want to give Schwartz and Donovan Peoples Jones more run. 
I think they're really trying to develop what's in house and then look at next off season as a means to develop a serious, but there's also guys, you got to remember you're, you're thinking this quarterback should be able to create more for these guys. They should be able to take them to another level. Yeah. So I think they're going to, it's just a hunch. They're going to keep six guys and they're going to keep what's in house. And they're really going to give it a run with this quarterback. If they decide this is not a, all in year. Like they view this Watson Ward, um, Miles Garrett window as being like a five to seven year window. Like they think it's going to last a while. So they'll address it as things come up and will be players for wide receivers in years to come. But I think they like their guys and they really want to give them a chance to, to develop. And if they, they can't develop as this isn't a video game, these guys got to play in games to develop, man. You can't just get better at practice and, your overall rating increases. Like you got to go out there, do it and get a chance to do it, to do it. And, and I think that, and that sounds stupid, get a chance to do it, to do it, but you really can't do it without getting a chance to go out there and do it. You know, if you yeah. keep signing people, you're never going to give these guys a chance to prove they can play the game. So I think that they'll run with these six guys and add a, a, accordingly, if they feel like they need to add somebody down the line. So yeah. first hurdle is rookie mini camp. What do these guys look like? What do, bell and woods look like what are these free agents that we brought in these udfas you know isaiah weston's an interesting player they got these these other couple kids i really think are interesting out of miami and uh, washington state that i think are going to be guys they're looking at pretty closely plus you know they still have jamarcus bradley still you know they have some guys they got some they signed i mean we keep forgetting about jakeem grant too who although jakeem grant is a specialist by nature he's a kick return punt return guy for them this year he has experience playing wide receivers had a couple 300 yard seasons. He can fill in when need be. And we all know that he can create some yards if there's an opportunity of space around him. So I think they're okay. I think they're, I think they're going to be fine and we can expect them, you know, then they don't have the, we'll put it this way. They don't have the name juice of the guys from last year, OBJ and Jarvis Landry and, you know, and, and Richard Higgins and these guys, but they're going to be, I think they're going to outproduce them significantly. So I think you need to kind of calm down. You everyone felt so good about receiver last year. Well, I can tell yeah. <laughs> you what, maybe you don't love the names right now, but they're going to outproduce that group significantly. Yeah, yeah and uh, I think one of the big benefits is having someone like Amari Cooper who can really play anywhere uh, yeah. across the uh, across as wide receiver. He's not you know pigeonholed into one role. I think they're going to use him uh, in the slot quite a bit. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. They, they have so many guys they could throw into the slot, and they all provide different looks for the defense. So I think that's they have a lot of variety within their wide receivers. Like you said, maybe not the name recognition, but they got a lot of different talent sets uh, in yep. that room. It'll be interesting to see how they use them. Uh, let's say uh, Super Surge has this question, and it's something that's kind of interesting when you look at the roster, especially uh, with the pick of Jerome Ford, is does Felton have to worry about his roster spot? I think it's likely uh, that Dearness Johnson probably ends up somewhere before the beginning of the season, just depending on that whole contract situation. It doesn't seem like he wants to come back and be a third running back, which is totally fair. Running back shelf life are not very uh, not very long. And if he wants to go get paid and go get an opportunity somewhere, that's totally acceptable. Uh, but do you think the Browns still carry four running backs? Uh, if so, or do you think Felton fits in the wide receiver? Where, where does he fit on this roster? Do you think he's actually at risk despite the really strong rookie season? Uh, no, I don't think he's at risk. I think you answered the question actually yourself, Ian. I think Dearness Johnson will end up somewhere else in a Kadero Hodge like trade in camp or before camp, and um, they will keep four backs. Felton will be the fourth back and a gadget player that they try to use in various different situations and circumstances and try to get him some touches. And 
some empty sets because you can run more of that. Like I just, he's got a bunch of different uses. He can be a specialist when you need him to, um, you know, you know, cause you can't guarantee Jakeem Grant's going to be healthy all season. So you like that element. Yeah. And they think he's got development potential as, as a, a guy who can continue to get some snaps. And really the biggest portion of Felton's career comes next, you know, 2023, in my opinion, when yeah. Kareem Hunt's clearly going to be gone and, they're going to let Ford and Felton, um, you know, fight it out, right? Like they're going to let those guys decipher who gets on the field more often behind Nick. So yeah, they're not going to cut any of their draft picks because they believe in these guys and they absolutely love the rookie contract situations. They've yet to cut a draft pick that they have made with Andrew Barry. I think that trend continues one more season and they end up keeping these guys, all these guys around. But uh, I, yep. you know, I just think Felton's got too much versatility he brings to the table to just say, yeah, two years before even year two, yeah, we'll just move on from this guy. So no, I, I don't see that coming to fruition. Yeah, and yeah, we got to remember as we hit the sort of training camp, you could have these Curtis Weaver, Drew Forbes situations where if somebody you know like a Michael Woods uh, gets an injury, they just throw him on IR for the for the season, yep. uh, and that sort of they making they make them able to kind of keep these players despite uh, having you know. Yeah, limited roster spots and uh, a lot of rookies coming in, a lot of late round rookies who are going to have to earn their spot. But uh, there's ways to hold on to them without just you know saying, okay, we we can't fit them on the roster, we'll cut them, and and they will explore every avenue. Uh, Ty Sox fifteen asks, uh, Kevin Stefanski was using the word explosive. You think that could be a move away from uh, Forte and some more multi dimensional talent? We touched on this a little bit, um, but let's see how would how do you expect the tight end usage to change uh, with this offense? Um, yeah, I, I think they're, they're obviously trying to create more explosives, especially after the, yeah. the miserable thing that they just watched last it, year. So it was, it was not great. They weren't running many four tight end sets, but they're running a lot of three tight end sets because they just didn't feel like they had answers in house. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think they're going to chase them. They're going to, like I said earlier, they're going to run more 11. They're going to run more 10 personnel. Sorry, not 10. Ooh. They're going to run more 11 and 12 to try to get their best guys on the field as often as possible. And they're going to chase. Yeah, they're going to chase explosive plays. And they think if you heard Andrew Barry even talking to Cade York, like, hey, man, we plan to score a ton of points this year. So we need you. And like they're very confident, you know, between what Kevin says, between the words that we got in public there on building the Browns to Cade York. And you obviously heard what. Paul D. Podesta said in that same episode about having the court, like they think that Deshaun Watson, I mean, and again, they would not have done this deal if they didn't think this, but yeah. like they're confident. You can see they're confident that they have figured out quarterback. And if they have figured out quarterback, everything else falls into place around your vision. So yeah, like I think they're going to to do more things that they think put more athletic players on the field more often. And um, they're not worried about uh, the, the usage of personnel the way they have been in the past. I think it's just going to be 11 and 12, and what's comfortable for this guy is what we're going to do for him. And I can tell you that putting Deshaun out there with three tight ends and one receiver and a running back is not going to be the best thing for him. They're going to yeah. curtail this offense to fit what he does best. Because he's a yeah. weapon. You're not – You're not. Yeah, yeah. Like let me, let me put it this way. And you're not game planning around your quarterback anymore. Yeah. You're game planning for your quarterback. That's the difference. Like, how do we? He's not just a guy who we need to 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 do everything to make him better. He's now the guy who makes everybody else better. So we need to put him in those situations that unlock him instead yeah. of, you know, using the scheme and the stuff around as a, as a means to unlock 
a way for everybody else to help your quarterback. Does that make sense? I think it makes yeah. sense. It's just like it's a different level of weapon at that position, and now you're letting that weapon determine how you go about things instead of letting your offense and your system determine ways to help your quarterback, if that makes sense. Like they're letting this guy – I think I'm just talking out of my ear at this point. But <laughs> no, I, I think, think I, I, I can see sense. what you're getting at. Okay, it, it's good. it's yeah, it's it's yeah. It, it like you said, game planning around your quarterback versus game planning for your quarterback. You know, yep. it, it's the, it's sort of the same thing as the creator recreator thing you were talking about. They were just trying to make do things that uh, they thought Baker Mayfield could do and make him comfortable with Deshaun Watson. There is but in that Ian, it limited a lot of things. It limited yeah, exactly. eliminated so much. Now there's less elimination and more. Like it's just you just have more football concepts to work with. So yeah, there, there's there's a lot of that. Just it just makes their job easier. Uh, I mean, yeah. harder and easier at the same time. But I mean, they just they have so many more options. I think with the playbook, I, I think you're going to see just a, almost a completely different offense. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they balance all, the, all those skills with. Okay, this offense with Nick Chubb was actually running really well. But like you said, I think with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, their talent is just so off the charts that you're not really worried about what they would do in a new offense. They're kind of, yeah. they're going to Nick Chubb's going to eat. It's what he does. The goal um, is to get the ball into Nick's hands or, or yeah. Kareem's hands. And like the ways in which they've gotten the football into their hands has been two ways, running handoffs to them and giving them screens. That's changed. Now it's completely yeah. different. You have a quarterback that will actually use the running back to give them a third means to getting the football in their hands. So that helps, right? Like that yeah. really, really helps. And that, that I mean, again, it just unlo- the goal is to get them touches, get your best players touches. How do we do that? Well, Mayfield kind of limited how you could do that. Now that opens itself up. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be exciting. This offense is going to be really exciting next year uh, yeah. to see. Um, and one thing I do want to uh, one last comment on uh, on that whole situation. You mentioned Cade York. I find it interesting. It, it almost he, he struggled sort of 40 to 49 and then he was good 50 plus and that really sort of matches what you expect from the browns mm-hmm. because i think their need for a kicker was they needed a guy who could hit the long field goals because if you're if you're between 40 and 49 yards the browns are probably looking to go for it as long as as long as the uh you know the yardage isn't insane but it's in the situations where you get to you know the the 35 and it's like fourth and eight okay okay we feel good trotting out the kicker here that's why they got Cade york yeah. they got him to hit 50 plus uh yeah. they didn't get him to hit the the other ones because they they want they still they're still gonna go for it on fourth down and everybody's gonna complain like you drafted a kicker in the fourth round and you go for the fourth down don't be surprised they're still gonna do it it's what they do yeah. well they um, won't complain I, if you get them and i think you got exactly. a better chance of getting them now so yeah too and uh, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate everybody uh, coming in with the questions. Very uh, everybody from ATI and everybody from uh, in the chat. Uh, thank you all for watching. Uh, I'm not sure what we have planned for tomorrow. Do you know what we got uh, for tomorrow, Jake? We just have draft. Uh, sorry, not draft, but um, garage beers, guys, at nine o'clock tomorrow. That's all we have. Garage we're beers doing at nine a show o'clock. Thursday. Reminder for the for the yeah. schedule release. Mm-hmm. We got garage beers at nine o'clock tomorrow. On uh, Wednesday, we've got OBR Weekly with Fred Greetham, and then we will be doing a schedule release show uh, on Thursday. I believe that's going to be seven o'clock. I'm, uh, the schedule might actually come out at eight. I'm not sure. Whenever the schedule comes out, yeah. we'll be yeah. Whenever the schedule comes out, we will be live. We'll be talking about it. Uh, we'll see if there's any cool quirks like the back-to-back Ravens games last year. Um, but thanks all for joining us, and we will see you uh, tomorrow at nine o'clock for Garage Beers and throughout the rest of the week. And uh, that's all I got. Have a good night, everybody. See you guys. Go Browns.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.